Hey gentlemen, welcome back. So I have worked with guys for about three decades and I can tell you that men in general are apprehensive about relationships with other men. And I'm not factoring in anything spiritual like spiritual conversations or studying the Bible or accountability. We just don't do relationships well. We don't start, work on, or sustain them at all. Yet brotherhood is an essential in our spiritual development. The essential components like Bible and brotherhood are all at work all over Proverbs. It's one man, Solomon, sharing biblical wisdom in his roles as husband, father, and leader, and passing on truth to other men in his life. In fact, if you fast forward to the New Testament, God gave his son, who is the living manifestation of the word of God, so that we might know him. And then he walked around with men, pouring into them biblical truth through brotherhood. It's literally impossible to be a Christian or do the church without community. And yet we try to proclaim that we're Christians if we don't do this. You know, in the next section of Proverbs, chapters 13 all the way to 27, Solomon is going to give us six things we need to do to build spiritual brotherhood into our lives. Here they are. First, to build brotherhood, you got to stop pretending. So if we're really going to build relationships into our life, we got to pr stop pretending and putting on a show for other people. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 13, in verse 7, he says, One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. You know, every day we encounter men who pretend to be something that they're not, right? First is the man who pretends to have something and he doesn't. He, he puts on a show on social media, maybe in his career or at his church, but he fails to realize that his pretending actually has an impact on the person he is. Some men get lost in all this, everything that they pretend to be. And rather than finding their identity in the man that God designed them to be, they find it in the man that they pretend to be. And as a result, they spend endless amounts of time and money on careers and clothes and cars and cravings, cabins. And if they continue the charade long enough, they'll believe the lies that they've told to everyone else around them. But on the inside, this man is in deep poverty. His identity is lost to all these fading fads, one they probably don't even like. But then there is a second man in this text. Solomon says he has great wealth. And what's interesting is that he pretends too, but he pretends to be poor when he's actually rich. In contrast to the poor man, this man pretends because he's overwhelmed by the demands of his riches. They are a burden to him. His wealth brings with it a burden that he wishes he didn't have to bear. You know what both men need? They need two things. First, they need to stop pretending. And then second, they actually need each other. The rich man needs the poor man, and the poor man needs the rich man. But to know this, they've got to stop pretending. This is where brotherhood begins, fellas. It begins with two men that stop pretending and lean on each other so that God can work through them so that they can become the men that he intended them to be. Not a pretender, but a real authentic man of God. Second, Second, to build brotherhood, you got to invest time with wise men. I want you to listen to Proverbs chapter 13, 
verse 20. Here's what Solomon says. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You know, this reminds us that the people that we spend time with have a slow but steady influence on us. It's true about anything, like accents or, or maybe language or attitudes or beliefs or behaviors. You know, often the impact is not initially felt, but the more we spend time with them, the more they actually influence us. And eventually we have to work harder to maintain a difference of opinion and behavior. As Paul said back in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, bad company ruins good morals. This is just another reason to build relationships with wise spiritual men. The company we keep can have a negative effect, but it can also have a positive effect too. And this is the benefit of wise men. We become wise. Occasionally, it's good to assess our present relationships, even evaluate the people that you're spending the most time with. You know, are, are you spending more time with wise men or foolish men? And then I would make certain that the quantity of the names in the wise column fars outweighs that of the foolish column. Because studies show that you're going to be the average of the five men that you spend the most time with. So look at those five people in your life and ask, do you want to be like them? Do you want to be the average of those men? Now, you can start building biblical brotherhood by befriending just wise and godly men today. But be sure you know the quality of those men because you're going to be like the men that you choose to be with. Third, you've got to look for mutual benefit. To build brotherhood into your life, you've got to find men with which you have mutual benefit benefit. Listen to what Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 20 through 21. He states, the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous to the poor. So here's what we learn here. First, a man with money has all kinds of friends for many reasons. Employment, influence, status, provision, you name it. But the bottom line is people want to be around him because of his resources. But in the verse that follows, Solomon transitions to addressing the internal traits of a man. You'll notice he repeats a key word from the previous text, the word neighbor. neighbor. With this, he intentionally links the two Proverbs together. So he suggests the wealthy man, if he is righteous, has a responsibility to be generous. His money is a means of making friends and caring for the poor. But he is blessed in doing this because it benefits the poor man and himself. Now the benefits to the poor is obvious. They need money and friends because they like both. There is also a benefit to the rich man because generosity rescues him from the sinful attraction of greed and the burden of his wealth. As we all know, greed can lead a rich man into sin and down the road of looking down on those with less. We learn from this duo of Proverbs that we need a variety of men around us. We need men in our lives who are not exactly like us. They have needs and gifts we don't have, and we have needs and gifts they don't have. As Peter said in 1 Peter verse 4, verse 10, 
As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You see, in God's community, my gifts are for your benefit and your gifts are for my benefit. And this is only known in relationship. This is how a community of brothers stay humble by relying on the mutual benefit of one another. And today I bet there are people around you right now that need the benefit of you and you need the benefit of them. Fourth, we need men bound by duty. To build brotherhood, we don't just need more friends. We need men who are bound to us by sheer duty. You know this verse. It's Proverbs 17, verse 17. It reads this. It says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, this is a classic verse, but it's easy to misread and misinterpret. Some assume that this is meant to be a contrast, so they read it this way. A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. The problem with this reading is that there's no but in the verse. Uh, The best translation has a conjunction in it. It's and. So when you emphasize the and here, the reading ramps up the relational titles of friend and brother. This means that Solomon is telling us that a friend is one thing, but a brother is a friend at another level. In other words, brothers love us like a friend and they continue to love us when we're unlovable because they're bound to us by sheer duty. Gentlemen, we need friends, and they're important, but we also need brothers. We need brothers in our lives who are bound to us by sheer duty. Brothers who will be committed to us through the challenges that we're gonna face. Brothers who will share a mission worth dying for. And there is only one place to find men like this. It's in the body of Christ with men of faith. Therefore, we call spiritual men by another name, brother. And adversity is coming. So the question is, do you have one? Fifth, we've got to resist isolation. We have to resist isolation if we're ever going to build brotherhood. Proverbs 18 verse 1 reads this way. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You know, as Solomon has said before, we become like those with whom we spend the most time. And if you spend your time with men engaged in foolishness, guess what? You become foolish. If you spend your time with wise men, you're going to become wise. But in this verse, we discover an interesting caveat to this principle, that the man who spends most of his time with himself becomes like who? Well, himself. And while this may sound like it would have a net neutral effect on a man, it doesn't. This ain't true because an isolated man spends time only with himself and all of his selfish desires. And the problem with this is that a man's desires are not pure. Our desires and their intent are always tending toward evil. Just remember Genesis 6, 5. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So when we choose to live in isolation from godly men, what we're really doing is choosing self. And if we do this long enough, we will become the product of our own selfish desires. Thus, isolation is the worst 
possible scenario for any man. This is a sociological and a theological truth. Besides, God designed us in community and for community. I mean, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit exists in a community. The Father created us in this image, and His very title, Father, suggests that we've got to live in community as a son in a family. Then His Son, Jesus, lived among us, modeling community with 12 men. In addition, he died for us so that we might have community with him. And to top it off, the Holy Spirit exclusively works within us and a community of believers. So if, if you haven't picked up what I'm laying down today, we've got to resist the appeal of isolation. Isolation ain't an option in the kingdom. It's only a selfish desire, and we have to resist it. And to do this, we're going to have to take some initiative. And I can't take it for you. But you can take it by taking another man to breakfast or scheduling a meet, meet up with a friend or by volunteering at your church. But don't do this. Don't do nothing because doing nothing is to choose the one thing that I don't want you to choose. Isolation. Sixth, you got to grind it out. To build brotherhood, you're going to have to grind it out. And with this, we cannot pass over the most iconic men's ministry verse in the Bible. It is Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. It reads, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You know, guys, the imagery right here is epic. Uh, we imagine an iron worker, don't we, in a shop grinding on iron. Sparks are flying, sweat is dripping, and the iron is screeching in our ears. A at the end of the process is something valuable. But it's not just describing sharpened iron. Actually, what he's doing is he's describing men. He's describing the value that one godly man brings to another. And don't miss the deep truth inferred by these words. That unused iron that just sits there exposed to the elements will eventually rust. The effect of nature on the elements can diminish iron's value as well as ours. Guys, it's only in the hands of another more experienced man that we are made better. We become more experienced men by sharing life with others who can see and shape and sharpen us. For with them, we will become sharp, but without them, we will become dull and rusty and useless. So if you feel rusty today, maybe it's time to get sharper and spend time with another man who has some real life grinding experience. Don't overcomplicate it. Find, find someone who is further along spiritually than you are and ask him just one simple question. How do you do that? And then listen and act on any good and godly advice that they give you. That's what grinding looks like. <laughs> that's what it feels like. That's what it sounds like. And if there's a little friction, then that's good. Friction makes us better. It makes us stronger. It makes us sharper. So in process, don't fear the friction, sparks, or the sweat, or the screeching, because that just means that something valuable is happening. So I know six points is a lot, but every one of these is critical to building brother in our lives. But where do you need to invest some time this week? Do you need to be more honest with yourself and stop pretending? Do you need to be more intentional about the men that are in your inner circle? Do you have men with which there is mutual benefit? 
Do you have brothers or only friends? Do you need to resist isolation? And do you have some grinding going on with you? For some of you, this could pose more questions than answers. So I would just focus on one of these essentials this week and then take a simple step toward more lively brotherhood. But every one of these questions could be resolved in a single step. Invite a wise man out for a meal. I know this, there's no man out there who's going to turn you down for a meal that you pay for. It's just that simple. And then remember, don't do nothing. Guys, I love you. Thanks for joining me for this session. And with that, I'll see you right back here next time. Till then, live all in for him. We'll live all in for you.